If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and the Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I mean, momentum can always take you, uh, you know, pretty far and things like that. But I think as a defense, we need to understand to gain that momentum, we have to make the plays. And um, that's one of the things, you know, me and other captains on the team are trying to stress is that we got to go out there and make those plays because momentum just just doesn't happen. We can't go out there and, you know, hope for a bad call or hope for them to penalize themselves. So, I mean, we can gain the momentum. I definitely believe that. I feel like if we eliminate the explosives, we'll be a whole better defense. That is Avery Jones. I think he's right on the money. It's a matter of can they do it. You know, I think he's right. It's a good attitude to have. But can they do it? And uh, right now they've proven they can't do it enough. Uh, a couple turnovers yesterday, though, a couple stops uh, at important times. And still didn't matter. 30-14 to loss to the uh, Houston Texans for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you like that? Defenses are dead in college football. Yeah. It was a fun Saturday. See, there's a big difference here. I, I brought this up. Yeah. Defenses, I do believe, are dead. Like, I, I believe in college football, unless you build for a defense, which Kirby Smart and Georgia have done. Sure. And they want to play offense, too. But they have built to, to be a very good defense year after year. Mm-hmm. And so unless you're that, well, then all you're looking to do, and, and I stress this again, is I don't think you're j- never going to get a stop. But you're hoping the offense stops itself or you make a play or two in the game that changes. Oklahoma, Texas, another great example of what we saw there, <laughs> right? And, yeah. again, I say that, and I'm just acknowledging it. I'm looking at it. That's what I'm watching these last couple of weeks, especially in college football. I do think it's a degree of it in the NFL, although that slowed down to, to a, in some respects this weekend. But I'm not saying I even hate it. Like, I, they're entertaining games. Florida yeah. has been very entertaining. They, Ole they Miss, have... Alabama, very entertaining. Sure. Uh, I think Notre Dame, Florida State, back and forth. Yeah. You know, I think uh, obviously the Oklahoma Texas game was not a well played game. It was not at all, but it was an entertaining game. So, I'm, just because I acknowledge that defenses are pretty much dead in college football right now, well, it doesn't mean I hate it. First of all, be careful now because the big, the big Ten. Keep in mind the Big I Ten coming back. Well, okay? I say right now we've got a couple of weeks. Well, what do you got? Two weeks left. It can't come fast enough, Brent. My word. Um, how do I feel about it? <laughs> I mean, you know where I come from. All right, I come from. You but guys. you believe it more this week than you did oh, two weeks ago when I brought telling? it up. No, I definitely believe it, and you're absolutely right. And as much as it pains me to admit when you're right, you are right. I, I don't know what the answer is. Like, see, to me, I don't have a pinpoint idea. And we talked about Jason Fitz, I think, last week of what why defense are struggling so much. But to me, it comes from the secondary. Like, guys are just getting wide open nonstop in terms of the pass. So, yeah, like, some teams are having problems stopping the run. But for whatever reason, and, like, I forgot what game I was watching, but they're bragging about how good this this cornerback is, right? Literally, I think it was Notre Dame might have been. Literally the next play, burnt for, like, a 90-yard <laughs> touchdown. I'm like, okay, that's supposed to be the first-round pick you guys are talking about? Like, what's going on here? I don't have an answer for it. I'll be honest. I don't like so much eye scoring. I want to see a little more defense because it seems like right now where we're at, and especially in the NCAA, is the fact that whoever has the ball last is probably going to win the game. Probably. 
you know. But isn't that Depending almost the de- design of it, right? Because yeah. that's what they want to see good finishes, right? I mean, they yeah. want to see scoring we like anyway in general, but whoever has it last kind of wins. That's that's what they'd rather have that. I mean, they, I just say no, we. Yeah. We would all rather see that. That's more entertaining, yeah. I think, to a degree. Seth's been hanging on the line. Let's get to him right now. I think he's got a thought or two on college football and maybe even defense. Seth, uh, is it dead in college football? Hey, man, I, first off, I want to start with saying I'm just thankful we've got some college football <laughs> to be watching. So that's been great. Uh, the entertain, entertainment value has definitely been there. I think it's it's looking dead. And the question I have for you guys, thanks for taking the call, um, especially, Brent, I think you've mentioned you've got some Buckeyes in your family. I'm, I'm from Columbus, a Buckeye fan, and Austin being a, a Wisconsin guy. I mean, here's the Big Ten sitting on the sidelines. Part of me wants to be, like, uh, I guess cautiously optimistic because I feel, you know, Big Ten that's kind of been there calling card the defense, but my question for you guys is, do you think this is just going to be kind of a sweeping, uh, I guess, thing across college football with condensed training camps maybe from COVID, or or does the Big Ten maybe feel encouraged that they're going to make a, a better run in the playoffs in the last couple of years? Thanks, Seth. Appreciate it, man. But, uh, thanks for listening to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's a good call. I don't know. The Big Ten style is different, yeah. usually. But not sure it was last year or even the last couple of years. The Penn States of the world, the Ohio States of the world, they've the teams that have been really good have yeah. been putting up a lot of points. Now, Michigan's won some games. They play on the defensive side, right? They they haven't had the quarterback to let it fly. So sure. Harbaugh, defensive guy, hard nose, that Big Ten style. Wisconsin, run the ball. Again, yeah. I, I say this with the exception of teams that are built to do that stuff. But Penn State's been putting up points in the high 30s, low 40s for a while now, it feels like. Sure. Ohio State's been doing it for a long time just because they're better than everybody else. Sure. But I think the Big Ten is an interesting barometer here because you don't – it just hasn't been their style. There are a lot of teams that don't play that way, from Northwestern to Iowa to, to even the good teams in Wisconsin and Mich- Michigan. Listen, and as much as it pains me to say this, because obviously I'm, I'm a Big Ten guy myself and obviously I'm a Wisconsin guy, but it seems like the style of play coming from the middle of the pack, guys, and I'll be honest, I'll throw Wisconsin there right now, coming from the middle of the pack, it's ancient. Okay, now, yeah, maybe you can win some ball games, but I'm saying – that if you find yourself, like if you're Wisconsin, and you find yourself in the college football playoff pen in Alabama, um, you know, playing a Florida, some team like that, I mean, do you have that style, of, you know, of, of play that's going to help you get to the next level? And I'm going to say probably not. So to answer the question, do you think the Big Ten can kind of parade their style of football, their brand of football, and say, you know what, we're still college football over here. Don't get it twisted with those Big 12, a.k.a. Uh, the SEC. We're still playing no college football over here. And I'm going to say I don't think they can. Because at the end of the day, like, I'm reminded of Alabama. Alabama, maybe four or five years ago, they were a run first, not even. They were a run first team. They take pride in, you know, stopping the run, playing great defense, and win ball games. Now, yes, they put up a lot of points because they had some fantastic running backs, but they're always a run first team, play great defense. What is Alabama now? The exact opposite of that, right? And when I analyze the Big Ten, like obviously Wisconsin's always going to be that kind of brand of football just because they obviously have the big hosses up front, all those farm boys, and they play with fullbacks, and they have good running backs. So, of course, you're going to do what you're good at. But teams like Ohio State, who obviously is the the host of the Big Ten the past seems like four or five years, they're a high-powered offense, right? I mean, we talk about Justin Fields. 
He ain't going to be handing the ball off. No. He's going to be throwing it all over, all over the field, all over the playground, if you will. So with that being said, I don't see the Big Ten coming in just ushering you know, the old school way of playing football. Now you're going to have a couple teams, maybe like Nebraska, like Wisconsin, that are going to do that. But overall, the conference, I think it's also adapting just like Alabama did in terms of pass first, run second. I think Seth's point is a, is a fascinating one, though. Will, because they've sat on the sideline here, like a team like Ohio State, have they put more emphasis now on tackling? Yeah. After oh, watching this, right? Yeah. Like, have they? Are they going to be able to win with that style? Are they going to have to change their style? Are they going to? Are they picking up on things that are happening in college football that mm-hmm. we're seeing blatantly happen and say, "Hey, we got to put a little more emphasis on this, or we got to be able to do this." But I overall, I agree with your point. I think the Michigans and the Wisconsins and those kind of teams—they're in trouble if they can't keep up on the scoreboard mm-hmm. because the bottom line is it's like that. Slow-paced offense in like college basketball, right? Or if you're watching a high school game and it's like they run every single down, yeah. well, what happens in the final two minutes when you need a score? Well, you don't know how to do it, correct? Right? You you don't you don't have a guy who can throw it. Well, you can't keep running with two minutes to go and no timeouts. Mm-hmm. So those teams, I think, uh, put themselves at a bit of a disadvantage. And most of that disadvantage comes with your dy- how dynamic your quarterback is, how sure. good your quarterback is. The reason Ohio State can play this way, the reason why Penn State has been able to play this way, is because of the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. They've had really good quarterbacks. Michigan has not. Yeah. You no, know? And, and so Michigan, until they get that guy that can throw it around, the, they'll play that way yeah. when they have that guy. And listen, and I do think right now there's going to be an emphasis on defense in the Big Ten. Because outside from Ohio State, like, listen, Wisconsin, even Penn State, even Michigan, like, they're not going to go toe-to-toe with these SEC high-scoring offenses right now. They're just not because the SEC always gets some of the best recruits in the nation. Now, once again, pending Ohio State. So I think you see Ohio State put an emphasis on obviously stopping that pass, even stopping the run, if you will, and play that great defense because they're not firepower on offense. <clears throat> they have the quarterback to do it as well. But at the end of the day, can they keep up with even like an Ole Miss in Alabama? I honestly don't know. The ultimate equalizer for teams that can't keep up, it is their defensive play and causing turnovers. All right, a little college football talk there. Thanks, Seth, uh, for the call. Appreciate it. It's a good question. We'll see. <laughs> We're going to find out here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. In this off-schedule season of these Power Five conferences, how does it impact play? It's a, it will be a fun watch to, to see how it uh, how it unfolds itself over the next couple of months. Back to the Jacks. Kicking situation. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. You know, It's the one thing around here, and, and maybe almost too much, right? I mean, the most popular player here in Jacksonville for a long time was Josh Scobie. We love you, man. Yeah. But that's a problem when the kicker is one of the most popular guys in town. Josh Lambeau has been excellent. Maybe overall the last couple of years their best player. Sure. <laughs> so that's problematic. But in a sense, it's also something that we've fallen asleep on and said, you know what? We've had some good kickers around here. We've like, taken it for granted. That has not been an issue. We've taken it for granted. Of all the issues the Jags have, yeah. that has not been an issue. Well, welcome to the club. The Jags <laughs> have an issue at kicker, big time. And yeah. they will now play their fifth one and sixth games, it looks like, with John Brown coming in. Yeah. Uh, and they'll have to sign another. They let Hauschka go. Lambo out for at least another week, although I, the way this stuff goes, man, they're trying to rush him back for the Chargers game with a hip injury. I would say I'm not banking on him then. I think it's another two weeks, wait for the bye, and then yeah. I, I wouldn't want to do that to Lambeau unless he's ready to roll. Well, What's, What are you doing? Why are you doing well, it? There's you a little more. I'm sure from his perspective, there's a little more incentive, right, because it's his former team, so he wants to go out there. Obviously. I, mean, I don't know. Is that how kickers think? I mean, that's yeah. how, obviously, I would think in the trenches, but like, do kickers I mean, think like that? They play him every know. year. It's not like he hasn't played him before. That's a good point, yeah. Um, <laughs> for some reason, we play the Chargers every year. It's a good point, yeah, we really do. But with that being said, though, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not going 
can, especially a hip injury. Like, listen, I'm not a doctor, but I know that your hip's a pretty important tool used for kicking, whether it's your plant foot or your kicking foot. So I would cover my bases. You know, I would dot my I's, cross my T's, make sure that he's 100% to go. Because the last thing you want to do is, like, get him back out there and he hurts himself again, and we have to relive this whole carousel for another four or five weeks. So the big news, Hauschka gets cut, and and, uh, John Brown, you know, will will be uh, activated from the practice squad. He'll probably be the kicker. I think there is a bigger question here, though. How did they not know Hauschka couldn't kick a 49-yard field goal? I mean, if you add all this up, first of all, he's missing a 24-yard kick, which everybody messes up. But you can't miss a 24-yard kick. I mean, they I go to high school games every Friday night. That's one kick they don't really mess up. Yeah. And that, that sounds like super disrespectful, and it probably is. But you can't miss that. Like, the, the Jags have so many issues. You can't miss the no. 24-yard Listen, kick. Listen, it's not disrespectful, Brent, because that's his job. Okay? Like, you, you have to do your job. And a 24-yard kick, that's that's a pretty easy part of your job. It's not disrespectful. It's kind of like it is. So then the 49-yarder is almost more dumbfounding because – he kicks it and he drills it, what it looks like. And then you're like, I don't think that's going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't. Yes. <laughs> but not by like a whisker, by like five yards it doesn't get there. So, <laughs> I mean, I watched the Florida kicker kick a 53-yarder the other day. Yeah. And it could have been good for 65. Yeah. And the Jags have a kicker that can't kick 49? Like, 49 is nothing these days uh, for kickers. I-, I just couldn't believe it, man. I mean, how do you kick in the NFL right now if you can't? How Did he lie to the coaches? Did he say, like, listen, my leg's fine? Yeah. Did they watch him? Did they try him out before the game and say, hey, what's your distance today? Once they got the holding penalty, did they say, hey, we wouldn't think our guy can even make it this far? I To me, of all the head-scratching coaching moments that you want to pull from yesterday – or, or maybe even the brass in terms of bringing people in. The Hauschka thing is mind-boggling. The he, they signed him, kicker workouts. He missed the first day of practice yeah. because of a knee injury. He doesn't kick that week. He comes back, and he can't kick it 49 yards. I, <laughs> it's it's inexplicable to me. So it's funny because when he kicked that ball, I was actually making uh, myself and my son, my, my wife was at work, I was making us pancakes and bacon. So uh, I'm literally sitting down and the bacon's in the oven, pancakes are on the stove, and I'm like, I'm going back and forth. I watch the kick. I'm like, oh, got it. Because I, I watch the kick. They look good. The I'm like, oh, straight. Got it. And I, and I go run to the pancakes real quick and I come back and the score, you know, the score is the same. I'm like, Ronan, what happened? He's like, oh, he didn't make it. I'm like, I had to go back. I'm like, what do you mean he didn't make those? Dead on. <laughs> Come to find out, it was like 10 yards too short. I'm with you here. And it was one of my big talking points that I had after my observation video, where I have a lot of respect for Joe DiCamillis, right? I think he's one of the best special teams coaches um, in the NFL. I don't know if this was his call. I don't know if it's more of a Doug Marone situation, a Dave Caldwell. But I don't know how they're evaluating the talent of the kicker, okay? But obviously something needs to change because – I understand. Kickers miss every once in a while, and I, and I get it, man. It's it's not an exact science. Sometimes you have bad days. It is what it is. But the history right now that we've seen for the Jaguars kicker, right? Who is the guy from Georgia State? I, I, I forgot his name, and I'm Brandon sorry. Right. Yeah. I mean, it seems like we. It, it's a carousel right now, and, and, and nobody wants the job. So it begs the question, how are we evaluating the talent right now, these guys, and how are guys getting hurt so much we have to bring more guys in? Well, and by the way, there are a million of kickers out there. Well, and I mean, that was my point of video. You mean to tell me that was the best you could do? Uh, of all the kickers out there, that was the best. Well, I will say this. I'm going to get I, – I, 
I wonder if there's more of an explanation here, and it has to do with COVID-19, because they do add John Brown to the practice squad late last week. Mm-hmm. And that might mean you have to take a couple of COVID tests and be ready. You can't be ready for Sunday. So because of the timing of it, they might have had to just ride with Hauschka. But uh. then if you ride with Hauschka there, you get the unfortunate and, of course, ill-timed and, of course, Jaguar thing to do, holding penalty. And Doug's probably saying, I don't even know if this guy can make 49 now that it's not 39. Right? Yeah. I guess. Uh, man. I mean, maybe, maybe because he, but he's like, well, let's just give it a whirl. This is our best. We're not going to go for it on fourth and whatever. Sure. So that might be it. I mean, yeah. it was explained as he didn't have a pop in his leg, uh, but it, it just speaks. Maybe it's, a, but I don't understand if that's the situation. If I'm the Jags today, be like, why don't you protect even the player and say, hey, listen, we got caught in this system. I mean, it's the COVID world. You, we had to ride with this yeah. guy. You can only bring so many guys in. You can explain that away if it was the case. And therefore, you can also say, listen, Auschka was doing everything he could do. I mean, he, yeah. he's been hurt a little bit. I, I don't know. Does it make you look worse if you say that? No. I think it, it makes it, you look worse by evaluating a guy and running him out the there and he can't back. go 49. And you know what it does? It helps us not talk about why is a guy that can't kick 49 yards, why is he out there right now? It's as simple as that. Like, to me, I would do the exact same thing. I would say, hey, here's where we're at right now. It's not perfect, but this is. let's be transparent, and this is where we're coming from. At least give us that. Because right now, I'm seriously questioning your ability to evaluate talent at the kicker position. I, what, I, what else should I do? I asked on Twitter, like, did they try a 50-yard kick in the workout? Yeah. Or before the game? Or, you know, kickers always try stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, did, did he not warm up? Did they not see him warm up? We're talking inside, by the way, too. This wasn't like yeah. on a grass outside. It wasn't there was in Pittsburgh wind. where the wind's blowing east to yeah. Talking on turf. No. You know, if it's 55 yards and you just didn't hit it well, well that's one thing. But 49 yards to end up five yards short, man, that's like unacceptable in the NFL. And yeah. I mean, that I would assume either he is really hurt or his career is over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, and once again, like, yeah, we're, we're bragging on him. But at the end of the day, that's his job. You know, like he, he, everyone's got a job to do. And obviously he he, he failed it to the, to the maximum, let's just say. So I don't know. Obviously you want to see Josh Lambo get better. The hope is that they don't rush him back too soon. That should be priority number one. I, I Listen, I understand it's an absolute nightmare and not the kicker position, but the last thing I want to see is the Jaguars rush somebody back too early because of the circumstances. Let him get right. Let him get back to 100% and then go from there. You know, it, we, the Jags now have a little bit of a Chicago kicking situation on their hands. And see, I thought Chicago made too big of a deal of it. Right, yeah. Parky missed the double boinker or whatever. Yeah, and then I thought Chicago themselves made a big deal the entire off season. It was about it. Sure, going into camp, it was about it. Going into preseason games, kind of like the, the, the kind of like the coin tosses around here right now. Yes. But go ahead. Yeah. Very good. Does yeah. five and zero oh on that though? Maybe you should just flip a coin on kickers. Uh, <laughs> the but the Jags actually have a similar situation as Chicago, yeah. where they that they will roll out John Brown here. Mm-hmm. And we will all be watching, whether inside the stadium or on TV, and even them on the sideline. And on Sunday afternoon against Detroit, we will be like, I have no idea what's about to happen. That's what has been created. It's a little bit of Jason Myers. Myers was like that. Myers created this feel like it became a thing. Missing extra points became a thing. It wasn't even field goals. It was missing extra points. And so missing extra points became such a thing that everybody held their breath. And when they missed, the whole sideline, the whole stadium, the whole city, the whole fan base was like, oh, 
Like yeah, it killed momentum. Sure. Like it actually killed momentum missing an extra point because of Myers. The Jags now kind of have that situation again with their kicker. They have no idea what to expect. See, but at least the thing with Myers, though, is that, I, and once again, I'm not a kicker. Scobie could tell you a lot better than I ever could. But like, I don't know if it was more of a technique thing with Myers, a mental thing, but obviously Myers goes on and he has a Pro Bowl career. Right, like I mean, there's he's a been good. yeah. So he's been yeah. fantastic. Like Hauschka, I'm sorry, man, but like that kick right there, kind of, and and I know it's messed Might up. Might be the last say, kick of his career. That's probably the nail in the coffin for you, man. Like you, this is no one's gonna give you a chance after that, unfortunately. Yeah. So, so that's wild. I mean, it's it's like unbelievable. What else could yeah. go wrong? And it really did change the dynamic of the game. I mean, even if they make one of them. It's what, uh, would that be 10-10 at halftime? Yeah. And I think Houston then came down, kicked the field goal 13-10. Well, then I take you back to the third and one, fourth and one, and does a little bit of a gambler down there. He might have gone for it anyway, yeah. but it would have been tying the game up. So now it's 13-13. Changed everything. Even if he made one of the two kicks, it changes everything because he probably would have made the other kick. Mm-hmm. And Doug had no faith in him, and I would have gone for it too. Like, see, the, the oh. trick play part? Yeah. Like, I had no problem for them. They were down by six points. They're down inside the ten, third and one, fourth and one. I would go for it. Like, I, that was okay by me. I might have gone for it with Josh Lambeau uh, being my kicker mm-hmm. at 13-7. But if it was 13-10, I wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. If it's 13-13, you wouldn't have. Absolutely. And so it really changed the way the game was played for a bit there while it was still close. See, and you're absolutely right. And at the end of the day, like, the problem that I have right now is that this is a thing. Like you said, in Chicago, it was a thing. And the last te- the last thing that this team needs right now is more things, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this that's is how another... we started the show. Exactly. A, B, C, D, E, F. I know, but, like, this is, like, this is a real thing now, Brent, right? Like, until Lambo comes back, it's going to be the story in articles. It's going to be the story maybe on TV. Like, players got to sit through this now. I'm like, I'll be honest with you. I never had, I, I, I'm not accustomed to this because I had Scobie. Like, we knew Scobie was pretty much automatic. And then you had Josh Lambeau. Like, I can't imagine what that locker room is like right now where it's like, oh, another kicker. Here we go again. I mean, it becomes a thing. And at the end of the day, this team, obviously, they need a lot to go right for themselves to actually win a ball game. And the last thing they need right now is extra things, extra, you know, fodder to say, well, you know what, now we got another thing to worry about, and obviously that's the kicker position. Falcons uh, fired Dan Quinn and uh, Thomas Dimitrov. Right, yeah. move. I mean, it, it's kind of setting a precedent where it's like, you know what, this isn't acceptable. Um, we haven't won a game yet. You guys are out of here. Keep in mind, they almost fired him last year. Yeah. Then he went 6-2 and two in the final eight games, I think it was, and they yeah. kept him on board. And so there was some loyalty shown there uh, by Arthur Blanks. And now he fires him after 0-5. And, and it's been a disgusting 0-5. I mean, they, again, they got Matt Ryan. I know Julio Jones banged up now. Trust me, he's on my fantasy team. I know it. But <laughs> they have players. Like, this is, they're not in, like, a rebuild mode. Like no, the Jags no, are. I mean, no, they have, no. They have every player on their offense starting the year was a first-round pick in the draft. Wow. Every starting player. Now, it wasn't for wow. them, no. but who they acquired or whatever. And Interesting. they're 0-5 in the way they've lost. Historically bad in terms of the, the defense. Yeah. Uh, it's no surprise. Yeah. It's just interesting to see now Bill O'Brien and Quinn in the first five weeks of the yeah. year. It's a long season for those franchises. No, it, it is a long season, but let's be honest. Like you said, it's the way they lost, right? Like the, I mean, those, those first three games, man, like you had to go out of your way to lose all three of those games. Like you remember like when the NFL, I don't know if they still do this or not. Remember NFL Network used to do like the, the season in review and like every team would have like their own little season in review. Yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah. What, what would you, and like everyone had a team name. What would you call the Falcons season in review? Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. And, and, and NFL 
Sun Network presents you the Atlanta Falcons 2020 season. Yeah. Uh, Browns uh, with a big win. They get it done. Yeah. How about the Dolphins win over the 49ers? That's Tua. crazy. Yeah, go ahead and sit down a little more, too, I guess, right? There's Patrick, Rack. they showed the stats. Yeah. Like in his wins. Yeah. He's got like 105 touchdowns and 28 picks. He's playing out of his mind in wins. And losses, he's terrible. When he's good, when he's good. When he's Pulled. bad, he's really bad. Yep. Uh, Steelers win again. Jets going to do Jets things. Uh, Raiders, big win. Raiders is now the win. Saints and the Chiefs. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Some big wins for them. Here's the problem with Jacksonville. The Raiders, the Browns, and the Bills are good. The Raiders, the Browns, and the Bills are good. Yeah. <laughs> they used to join us in this misery. Absolutely. They, they, they moved on, Brent. They've gotten better. Fresh haircut. We get, Bomb lighting. We got an NBA champ, and the Rays are winning again. They're amazing. Can we play the home run call from Friday night coming back just for fun? Can we find it? <laughs> be honest. Did, did you have a beer when the Yankees got beat? Did you celebrate? I had a hit big time fist pump right before yeah. going out on that Friday night blitz show. I oh, can yeah, tell you that. You're excited. I was fired up. Absolutely. Dang, Yankees. Is we'll it be is. back on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. This is an email. Why is WWE wrestling not being shown on Friday night? Austin Lane. Thank you very much. Read it right now. Read it right now. This I could just be did. Why oh, is that? That's it. That's I mean, it. that's why I thought. I don't know. I mean, Rowan's yeah. only five. I don't know how many sentences he can make. Yeah, Smart some, kid. Somebody but. might have proofread it for him. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Left-handed pitchers. Chapman, though, regular lefty. 3-2. Brasso sends one into left field. Gardner going back. And it is up and gone. Mike Brasso has homered. And the Rays have a 2-1 lead. What a moment for Brasso. Tampa Bay on top on the 10th pitch of the at-bat. Oh, what do they say about karma? <laughs> what there do they is say about good karma. versus evil. Everything must be balanced, Brent. That was an incredible moment. One, because the Yankees got eliminated. Yeah. I, I wasn't was mad at that. As the Yankees were eliminated, I was not as filled with joy as I thought I might be. Really? Well, because then I knew there was a part of the postseason that just left me. Like, yeah. I was going deep in my heart of hate over the last week to get rid of the Yankees. Absolutely. Won't have that anymore. And But I also, that series was really good. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a baseball guy, and I watched just about every inning. Now, Friday night, I listened to a lot of it because I was out of high school games. It was a great game on Friday. Yeah. It was a really good series. And I'm not a huge fan of all the new wave of everything in baseball. I think there's too much analytics sometimes. And and my thought overall was like there's so much analytics, so much analytics that these managers are not even managers. They're basically just reading from a card, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, yeah. that series really turned my mind off that a little bit. I actually thought there was more moving of the chess pieces in that series between two teams that really rely on analytics mm -hmm. and Cash and Boone than I've maybe ever seen in a series. And I wanted like two more games of it, from relief pitchers to starters to how you're going to factor in your lineup, all these things. I thought it was tremendous to watch as a baseball fan. And uh, I'm going to miss that series. The Rays, by the way, are up on Houston right now, three to Which nothing. I'm not mad last at, night. at all. I mean, the Rays... And now they're trying to take down the cheaters. They well, took down the evil empire, now yeah. the cheaters. But the Rays are unbelievable. America's I, team. I don't know how they do it. The Rays are unbelievable. You know, so it's kind of bittersweet, though, right? Because like you mentioned, like, 
you hate the Yankees, right? And then you want to see them lose, but all of a sudden it's over. It's like, now what? I, I mean, I, I get that. You, you have nothing to hate anymore, Brent. I don't. No, I really don't. Like, Have it, you the, tried politics? <laughs> Can I just do some politics? Give me another debate and maybe I'll get going. <laughs> Let's go. But it will take it, – it really, like – Ty likes the Rays, so I li- yeah, I'd like the awesome. Rays fans and the genuine Rays fans to like. I mean, yeah, he, all ten of you in this. Apparently, word is city. on Friday, like he was telling Steph. Yeah, he, he's like, my head hurts. Like he was that. Oh, you're saying like he was it? about having a nervous breakdown <laughs> over that game. So that's how much of like a fan he is of the yeah. Rays. Like that was a proven, that was a litmus test of get that kid in the virtual crowd. They got to have one for yeah. the World Series. Let's go. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. But so I mean, he's a big Rays fan. Like he's taping the game today because he's at school in baseball. They yeah. started at four. Yep. And he said usually they won't tell me the score, so I'm just going to watch it front to back, and nobody will tell me awesome. what the score is. Uh, so uh, especially in this age, good, good luck with that time. I know kids so, got a cell phone, but he's a genuine Rays fan, and uh, you know I Zach down that. in our he's uh, runs our editing department down in TV Land. He's a Rays fan and has been for a while. So I think the Rays are a cool story. It's it's good stuff, but I I genuinely don't care who wins now. Like if the Dodgers win, fine. If the Braves win, fine. If the Rays win, fine. Even yeah. if Houston wins, fine. I don't have that much angst even against Houston. See, do you have? And this is where I'm coming from. Like to me, like you know the the, the Rays are like baseball's team because they're like they're like the unsung heroes a little bit like in in the worlds of the yankees and and all these east coast teams like obviously you have the rays who get lost in the shuffle a little bit but with that being said is there a little resentment kind of built up towards the way just because they're not appreciated like doesn't a party be go it's kind of like the la kings of hockey like when the kings won the nhl stanley cup I, it was one of the worst parts in, in my in my eyes in my lifetime of nhl hockey because now it's like well they won it like the Kings, nobody cares about the Kings when yeah. obviously LeBron James wins yeah. it. You know, throw a parade. The Kings won the Stanley Cup. I, I might have saw ten people in Kings jerseys outside of Hollywood Boulevard, and that was about it. Do you have the same kind of feelings yeah. for the Rays? There's a little bit of that, and yeah. I. It's almost like this. That team doesn't deserve to have a good baseball team. Yeah, I. I it's just that there's no star power. We like the Lakers just won the NBA championship. We're going to talk about it in a minute, but yeah. I mean, the Rays are the 180 of the Lakers. True. Like I mean it. Other than the Florida Panthers and a couple of other names, really, yeah, I mean, right, yeah. the Rays are just not this team that's going to catch everybody's attention. As a baseball fan, I think it's unbelievable. I really think it's one of the most amazing things I've seen. I don't know how they do it. Like yeah. they, they genuinely don't have stars. Like they really don't. We we likened it to maybe St. Louis winning the Stanley Cup. Correct. But very few teams you can liken this to. They yeah. don't have stars. They just don't. They have good players, but I'm just telling you, you could not name them. You don't know them. Yeah, well, see, that's that's awesome, though, right? Because that's, to me, that's baseball. Like, like you talked about, a, a game that gets wrapped up in analytics, and don't get it twisted. I don't know what the analytics say about this Rays team. I don't know if the analytics say they're supposed to be good or bad. But I'm just saying, when you don't have household names, and you're playing together as a team, that's baseball, man. Like, that, that's why I was so against the Yankees back in the day, because they spent so much money to try to win World Series, and they never did. And it was the coolest thing to witness, because, like, you guys are spending way all this money, more than any other team, and you're not winning. Because it's not all about the money or the players. It's about playing together as a team. And that's life lessons that you learn when you're a kid. Yeah, I will say this about the Yankees. If you have maybe the deadliest lineup ever built, yeah. like even Murderer's Row of the of the late 20s, okay? Yeah. You may have. Like it could rival that. It is such a good lineup. But if you don't start doing some of the little things right, 
and you don't get more depth at starting pitching, you're not going to win. I mean, you've got to learn this lesson somewhere along the way. Yeah. And and the Yankees are proving that. They have. You know, they've only been to a World Series once since 2003. You told me they've I only cannot been believe it. To one, they won that in 2009, but they've only been to one. So you can sit down on your 27, 28 championship banners, and I'll just revel get in the em. Red Sox banners get for em, now Brent. because you ain't done nothing this let's century. Let's go. Let's get them. I like it, man. Get us to New York. I, I, even, New York got, I even got us a little double negative there. Yeah, you ain't done I, nothing. I didn't even notice that. I'm yeah. so excited, right? I'm fired up. Sean, sorry, got me going on baseball, man. Thanks for hanging on the line. Action Sports Chats on ESPN Hey, you get me hating on the Yankees. It's gonna take a while to get to you. Sorry, bud. How you doing? Hey, how you guys doing today, man? Yeah. I just I'm going back to football. I'm sorry, I don't mean to take it from the no, baseball. You're good, you're good man. Huge raise, man. I'm, I'm looking. I'm hoping they get past to the Astros. I don't like Houston. Go away from that. <laughs> anyway, uh, when it comes to the Jags, when is it time to? Because as you guys are media, when is it time to uh, uh, announce or say that it's time for a coaching change? That it's time to move on? And it's because I mean, you were 0 and 3 against winless teams. Like uh, I'm not sure if it was Austin or it was you, Brent, that said that. Um, uh, that the defense doesn't look like it's getting any better week to week. So what do you do? When is it time to actually pull the plug? We're behind Texas now when it comes to coaching and GM search. We're behind the Falcons now. When's the time? Sean, stay on the line for a moment. Cause let me ask you this, and I'll answer the question. I think Austin will too. Yeah. And really it's a topic I was saving a little bit more for tomorrow. But I want to get your thoughts real quick. Do you think the Jags would get better if they made a move? Uh, and Or do you think everybody around here, and, and I'll put you around here as a Jags fan, feel better if they made a move. So two different things, right? I would say most of the mm-hmm. fan base would feel better. Absolutely. Right? Because they did something. Yeah. And so I think what right. you have to ask yourself is, would it make you better right now? Like what would it solve? Does it solve anything at the moment? And and that's a that's a question that you can answer either way. I wonder that's what the question they ask themselves as owners and and when to fire a guy. So what do you think? I think I, it, it feels good from, from a fan's perspective, but at the same time, it, it, it doesn't do you any good, but it doesn't do you any any worse. You're already in the same position, so you might as well. The worst-case scenario is you get somebody else in, and from my perspective, you bring somebody else in, they implement a few things to see if maybe this will work or this will work, and they can keep a few guys. It's like a, tra- it's, it's, uh, it's a training tape for the, for the new guys who come in, and they can see who they want to keep and who they don't. You're not going to keep the head coach and the, and the GM who's currently already there, so it's not going to really make a difference. It's a training video. See if they, if they work out in your, in your system that you want to fit, and if they don't, then you know what you're going to do. If they do, Okay. That's a good answer, Sean. Appreciate the call, man. Appreciate the question, yeah. too, here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. And I think he's, he's not totally wrong, right? I mean, if you're going to make a change, like Dan Quinn, did it help you? Maybe not. But did it hurt you? Probably not. You're 0-5. No. Uh, to me, you make the decision when there's nothing left to accomplish with the current regime. Now, one could say, well, that should have been done a long time ago. But here we are right now. I think from a fan's perspective, Brent, I think that, because I'll be honest with you, and as crazy as it's going to sound to everybody out there, I think there's still a possibility that Doug Marone might have his job next year. And also Dave, and Dave Caldwell as well. Right? I mean, if they can survive last year's chaos, why not this year as well? So, like, that, that is still in my mind a little bit. That seed is still planted. So, by all means, if you want to let them go right now then and remove that seed, well, then so be it. But since we're not going to, so let's talk about the advantages and the disadvantages and all that stuff real quick. I'm reminded of back in 2012, an assistant coach by the name of Sylvester Kroom, who was the running backs coach, yep. um, uh, one of the best coaches I ever got. To, I mean, I didn't. I, I was. I wasn't a running back, but 
I used to pick his brain a lot. A good just, man. A, a really great man. And I, I'll never forget the last game of the season. I think we're playing Tennessee. And it was the last game of the season, and obviously I think we won two or three games that year. Everyone was moral was down. And, he, and I'll never forget what he said. He's like, regardless of what happens to us this year, because I think he saw the writing was on the wall. Everyone's going to get let go. Mark was going to be gone, all that stuff. But he said, no matter what happens to us, remember this one thing. Never get comfortable. Never get complacent. Never get comfortable. Never breathe. You can breathe and you can be comfortable when you're tired, when when you're done playing football. I'm like, okay, at the time, keep in mind, I was like my third year. I didn't really think too much of it. But now looking back on it, it makes a lot of sense. And right now, I think in that stadium, there's a lot of complacency. Um, there's a lot of comfort, not only from obviously the staff, but also the players. And I think that if you're looking for an advantage right now, why you might let some guys go, that could be the spark that obviously wakes some guys up, maybe gets you better play. Now, let's let's be honest here. You're not going to fire anybody, and all of a sudden you're going to go to the playoffs. That's not going to happen. But my point is, when you're evaluating talent for the next regime to come in, it's your job right now to find out who are you going to take going forward with us and who's going to get left behind for the next regime. And I think that if you were to do that, make a move that at least lights a fire, adds a little extra motivation where it's like, you know what, we can get a better example and we can get a better, I guess, um, kind of, temperature of the guys that we're going to keep and the guys that we got to let go next year. Yeah, like I said, I want to talk a little bit more about this tomorrow. Based yeah. on, again, Bill O'Brien and also Dan Quinn, I just knew we wanted to get to the game more today. Um, but I, I will say this from I know – I don't believe just because the Texans fired somebody and the Falcons fired something, you have to get, get in line. Yeah. Like, I, I don't believe that. I think the situation – and who you get and dollars and years and terms and all those things outweigh all that. Now, yeah. if they hire somebody, it, listen, Philadelphia fired Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. Within 24 hours, Andy Reid was hired in Kansas City. Yeah. So because they did move in that instance and the timing of it, I just don't think you can predict the timing of it. I, I think if, if they do have a change here and it happens in early December, I don't think you're necessarily behind Atlanta and Houston. Is my point. Uh, I think if you wait until January 18th to fire somebody, but, then yeah. you might be behind. You but, know? But let's be honest, though, Brent. Right now, Atlanta, they're not going to the playoffs. They're not going to the Super Bowl. Their only focus right now is finding a new GM True. and a new head coach. But you can't what is interview the fo- people. No, I hear that. But you're still doing your due diligence. True. You're still doing but your Sean reconnaissance. But have somebody doing due diligence now. I actually believe he did that last year. But, I think yeah. he did, and that's why these guys were back, because he's like, we're going to get the fifth option out there. Possibly. I don't like that option. Uh, possibly. But all I know, man, is that the NFL, it's a cutthroat league, right? I say this all the time. And while you may not have an advantage of being able to interview candidates right now, I just think that showing that, you know what, this is not acceptable, let's restart right now and start, you know, doing once again, that due diligence as a team as opposed to hiring some assistants to do it for you. Like, listen, this week, obviously, the Falcons have a goal to win a game, don't get it wrong, but they also have a goal of doing some reconnaissance and finding a new GM and head coach. This week for the Jaguars, the only job right now is to try to beat the Lions, and that's the only thing. Now, maybe behind the scenes, there's other stuff, but that's the biggest need, or that's the biggest goal right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So in my opinion, yes, the Falcons do have the advantage right now. All right, uh, we'll talk more about it, I promise, tomorrow, but I've got to get into LeBron real quick. I mean, LeBron, yeah. the Lakers win the NBA championship. Uh, I don't know what it did for me. They cruised, right? It was everybody got all over me Friday night, which I couldn't believe they lost Friday night, but like I said, they have no chance to heat the, but it's a great effort. Well. Yeah. That's why. Because if the Lakers want to turn it on, they're going to run you out of the gym. Yeah. I didn't know they'd run them out of the gym like that. But, yeah. I mean, come on. Anthony Davis had 19 points. LeBron only had 24, and they still won by 20. Yeah. So it was that kind of – that's how good they were. Yeah. 
I just don't know if the thing, did it do anything for you in terms of how you view LeBron yep. after hearing oh, yeah. LeBron, all these things. Yeah, it did something for me. So check this out, man. I watched that entire game, and I like those moments. I like when, when champions get crowned. I like the whole Kobe Bryant thing. I like seeing Anthony Davis get emotional. Like, it was a great moment. And then what happens? They interview LeBron James. He gets on the mic, and no, it wasn't about Kobe Bryant. It was about, I want my damn respect to. And immediately, like, he said that, and I thought the record skipped. I'm like, wait, what? You want your damn respect? With what? Who doesn't respect you, man? You're one of the best to ever do it. Don't make this an MJ and LeBron thing. You guys want a championship. Do you think that's what it was, that respect comment I was about that's MJ? that's what it was. What else would it be, Brent? Are I, you kidding me? I don't know if he feels all the hate and heat because of yeah. everything that he did for outside of basketball See, this year. Maybe. And so he's kind of bringing but, that into his own world. You but know? He, yeah, but, but I had thought the same thing. Like, come yeah. on, LeBron. But we know, we know this was, to me, this is the whole Tom Brady thing from last year. Where Tom Brady had to contrive this kind of yeah, like, yeah. you know... They don't want to see me make it, so i got to prove them wrong. Like, to me, that's all in your head to try to get a little extra motivation. I was disappointed, though, because I'm like, so that so that guy, the King James I saw through the entire playoffs, this was about getting respect? Yeah. That's what this is all about? Yeah. Respect? What are you talking about? Everyone respects you, man. At the end, yeah. it felt like. I and don't I, like that. And there's got to be some selfishness to being a, a, a high Uber athlete, man, but this was not about respect. We all respect you. Come on. Yeah. He could have took that moment and made it way more about Kobe and kind of yeah. been... A, I didn't have to, no, but no, no, could have. Yeah, and then they, they talked about Kobe, I too. I know but they like, did. But, but, yeah, but, but you but, come off thinking about him and his respect more so than anything else. But, but the biggest soundbite from that night was him wanting respect. It's crystal clear he wanted to play for a Lakers historic franchise now after yeah. what he said. I will never remember LeBron James as a Laker, though. I can tell you that. Unless he wins a couple And that's more. your prerogative. Yeah, I just won't. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I, mean, mean I, I, not, I acknowledge it. I just no, won't yeah. remember it. I got you. Man, I want to do another hour, man. we got I more know, time. We got so much passion we'll going tomorrow, here. 3 to 6 on ESPN 690. Live Local Loud coming up next. FSU Coaches Show after that. And then we'll join the Dodgers and Braves uh, right after that here on ESPN 690.